Hi, I'm Mandy Livingston from Your Home Radio on 98 One The Lake. Attention all ladies, listen up. Are you feeling tired, loss of energy, weight gain, or low sex drive? Then your hormone levels might be low. I've got the solution for you. Optimize You Chattanooga is a hormone optimization center that specializes in hormone replacement therapy. They changed my life and they can change yours. Find them online at optimizeyouchattanooga.com. Welcome to Optimized Health. This is a podcast about empowering you to live a life of optimal health. Here are your hosts, Josh Porter, owner of Optimize You Chattanooga, and Mandy Livingston, general manager of Optimize You Chattanooga. Welcome back to the show. We are excited to uh, continue our little series here on women's health. Uh-huh. This is, what, episode three? Yeah. I feel a little Cindy Lauper-ish. Yeah. You know, like, oh, girls just want to have fun. That's where I'm at. <laughs> well, it, it's been fun because, uh, you know, we got some feedback that we needed to talk about women, and here we are. So yeah. we're, we're trying to listen to the what the needs of the audience is. Well, here's what's funny. You know, we can cover men in, like, one show, but we've got to break it out into, like, three separate shows to cover all the angles of ladies. You're not kidding. You know, <laughs> I told a lady the other day, <clears throat> I said, just the, she's like, is it really, uh, like, are we that complex? And I was like... I'm not trying to be, you know, harsh, but I said, if I took 100 men and put them on something, 99 of them will uh-huh. be just fine. If I do the same thing to women, 25 are going to be okay. <laughs> but do, seriously, though, no no joke. Seriously, do you think that's because guys are just a little more passive and maybe girls may know a little bit more, women may know, know a little bit more about their bodies or listening in tune, something like that, where guys are like, mm, I don't know, that might be fine, that might not, I don't care. Well, I think it, it could be. And then secondly, it's just like we just – the balance of typically one hormone mm-hmm. for a guy is just not like it is with three or four with women. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think there's, it, 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 I mean, it's okay that it's a more complex, unique system, but it's just more important for women to understand that. Well, I'm going with if we're going to carry babies, we're allowed to be more complicated. So there. <laughs> That's right. <Yeah. laughs> My head's like side to side. So That's there. Right. <laughs> um, well, we're excited. So we're going to uh, step in. Last week we talked about premenopause, and really we kind of focused on just a couple bigger issues that we see in our clinic through PCOS and PMS uh, most of our our patient clientele is not that you know population most mm-hmm. of our patient population would be age 40 60 you know maybe a little bit of the outliers there mm-hmm. which is kind of bringing us into really what we're talking about today and then the following episode they'll be looking at postmenopause but today we're actually talking about perimenopause and uh, we brought on one of our partners in crime uh, Laura Chastain, who is a nurse practitioner at our office, and she's been with us for six months, eight months, something like that. We're family. We are family. It's a fa- it's a family reunion in here today. It is. So thanks to uh, Laura for coming on to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, I'll, before we uh, allow you to kind of share a little bit about your past, one of the things when, I don't know if you remember this, but I st- when we started Optimize You. I was at a hormone conference uh, shortly afterwards in Nashville, and I'm in line, and mm-hmm. I've known Laura for six, seven years, and uh-huh. she's there, and she's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, well, what are you doing here? <laughs> and, uh, All questions fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we exchanged uh, pleasantries, and you know, and I, 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 I told her then, I said, listen, like, I've, we've, we've got a vision, you know, and I'm, I, I was like, I don't know at some point if you would be interested, but y- you will be the first person on my list that we will call. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you get first right of refusal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and I stuck true to that. And uh, so when we got busy enough, she was the first person I called. And her and Mike uh, met my wife and I for dinner. And, and the rest is history. So, yeah, I couldn't be ex- more excited to have you part of the team. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's such an honor. Yeah. So give us uh, one of the reasons that we thought that this would be right up your alley is um, your experience in women's health is a little bit unique, much more than mine, honestly. Um, so, so maybe just help the listeners kind of understand like what your background is, mm-hmm. where your passion lies, and mm-hmm. how hormones even fit into that with women's health. Okay, sure. Yeah. So I'm trained as a family nurse practitioner. I've been in practice for over 20 years. Um, but in the last 15 years or so, I focused primarily on women's health. I think that um, what drew me to that specialty was first that I am a woman and I know how important it is for us to be healthy for the sake of our own families. And then I was able to join a general women's health practice and Mm -hmm. get to know women on many different levels. Mm -hmm. Um, And then focus on wellness, you know, over the lifespan so that we can just provide for our families i think that really is my heartbeat is that we're able to keep ourselves healthy so that we can also promote health Mm -hmm. for our you know loved ones and was it for you as far as like the a a little bit of a pivot transition um, within hormone therapy Mm -hmm. Um, because that's there's a small percentage of hormone therapy in you know in women's health Mm -hmm. right when did that when did that really start to come about for you as far as like man there's something here that i really Mm -hmm. find intriguing Mm -hmm. interesting i'm starting Mm -hmm. to do research like what what was that kind of shift for you well i've always for myself personally focused on wellness and prevention and um just lifestyle factors Mm -hmm. but in women's health the population that seemed to be the most um if you will frustrated or concerned were those women that were entering hormonal changes Mm. and it was that group of women that i felt like i could offer bits and pieces to but it was difficult to treat wholly in the amount of time that i had and with the tools at my disposal yeah so it became an interest of mine to really dig into that Mm. not only for myself but for my patients that were in that phase of life and wanting to improve their quality right. of life. Right. And I think that does make it unique. I'm sitting across the room here from two, two women who uh, <laughs> might find themselves in a similar situation of peri postmenopause. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but your ability, you know, your ability to relate to Absolutely. patients is so unique, right? I, right. I, I tell my female patients that all the time. I, I, I live with women, but I don't know, I don't live in your shoes, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that does create uh, you know kind of a heart uh mm, empathetic yeah yeah if your mm-hmm. your ability to be like you know what i exactly i know exactly what you're talking about i'm mm-hmm. dealing with the same thing mm-hmm. um is is pretty unique and special in this particular field because you're so right in that the frustration level of that demographic of patients is probably like none other mm-hmm. you know in, right. the, in women's right. health um so we talked about um the first episode if you hadn't listened to that on females was looking more about historical perspective so one of the things that i think it's important um with hormone replacement is education and we we talk about education with risk versus benefits of the medications and what to expect but we also there's a lot of controversial issues that come up and so we spend a lot of time on that historical perspective of how did we get where we're at today so that people could understand are there reasons i should be concerned is there some things out there that okay maybe it's been a little bit manipulated by the media so that's a really important episode for most women to listen to 
last week we t- we talked about premenopause, uh, so the PMS and the PCOS patients. But this week we're going to talk about perimenopause. So, mm-hmm. give us just a broad, a general statement idea of like when would a woman know or suspect like I might be going through something mm-hmm. change wise. Well, like. Like you said, you talked last week about what's normal. What is a normal menstrual cycle? And I think that most women know what is normal for them. Mm. You know, they know, and there's so many new apps and digital um, ways to keep track of all of that now. So most women know their cycles. They know what to expect every month. And I think that perimenopause um, becomes an issue when, of course, when all of that changes. And so that can happen for every woman a little bit differently. Mm. We know the average age of true menopause, meaning that there's been no menses for 12 months, happens at the age of about 51. Okay. So perimenopause can start anywhere from four to 10 years prior to that. Nuh-uh. Okay. It can. Holy cow. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. And, and it's like very, 10 years you know, before? Right, right. Jeez. It can. Uh, the average is about four to seven so but most women will start to see some changes in their mid 40s and that can appear differently for all women but mostly we will see irregular bleeding start Mm -hmm. as well as maybe some hot flashes Mm -hmm. vaginal dryness and so that that's not normal for them you know Mm -hmm. that they know they're normal so then when something like that starts to happen it alerts them that this isn't normal and so usually that's when perimenopause is starting okay and how would you just for listeners if we're defining normal cycles Mm -hmm. right is it safe to say 28 to 35 days it is right Mm -hmm. i think that'd be something Mm -hmm. just for people to say okay am i in that range again if if you're always at 28 and all of a sudden now you're at 33 34 that may not be normal for them right and it still may warrant investigating but that's that would be a way to at least define the normal menstrual cycle. <clears throat> so, how would you correlate? So, so okay, four to ten years prior to menopause, cessation of of menses. That's what kind of defines that at twelve months. After twelve months, what are some things that are happening hormonally in perimenopause? Maybe on the front end, and what do we kind of see trends wise? Like. I think of progesterone. Absolutely. Right. That, mm-hmm. t- that tends to be one that we talk mm-hmm. about a lot. So just kind of help maybe, you know, we'll, we'll kind of tease this out together. But, sure. But what would you see typically in a female with it, with regards to progesterone, estradiol, testosterone? Okay. So we know we lose estrogen. I'm sorry. We lose progesterone first. Mm-hmm. We start to have a loss of progesterone and that can cause um, bleeding irregularity, more severe PMS type symptoms, headaches, weight gain. Um, difficulty with sleep. Mm -hmm. So we start to see all those symptoms up here um, and we're losing progesterone during this process. I think simultaneously we're seeing a rise in FSH, which is released in the brain, Mm -hmm. the hormone released in the brain that gives the message to the ovaries that I need estrogen and so or or to regulate estrogen. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing a rise in FSH. Mm -hmm. So eventually then we'll see some falls in estradiol Mm -hmm. that also can appear similarly with hot flashes, vaginal dryness, and testosterone as well. Mm-hmm. We see a dip in testosterone, and that varies from woman to woman. A woman may have already struggled with low testosterone, or they may see that appear later. The timing can vary depending on other factors and lifestyle, medications, other chronic diseases. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know eventually that will fall as well. So we're seeing a fall in all those hormones that have supported a great quality of life um, 
mostly yeah. up until that point. And it's, uh, this is a little off the cuff. Um, I don't use this medication a lot, but fr- from a libido standpoint, mm-hmm. I think it's FDA indicated for premenopause, but there is a non-hormonal, like a melanotan, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. I cannot think of the name of that um, medication. It's an injection that women can do. Um, do. Are you familiar with that? Do you guys use that? In your- we haven't used it a whole lot. Yeah. I think that... Um, you know, just um, probably patient hesitancy with yeah. injections. Right, right. Um, so anyway, it's it's just one of those things because a lot of women are really reserved, mm-hmm. hesitant, maybe a, mm-hmm. a, a better word, about testosterone, mm-hmm. which I think it's important for us to make this uh, uh, note now. And I probably have said this multiple times, but women prior to menopause, when and by definition of menopause means your hormones are pretty much you know, flatlining. Mm-hmm. Um, but women prior to that, uh, from an abundance standpoint, have an infinite more amount of testosterone, mm-hmm. correct, mm-hmm. than they do estradiol or progesterone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that w- we try to educate people on. Um, so it can be something. One of the things that I heard in, uh, as, as you kind of painted that picture is, is maybe a little bit, and, and again, this is probably a generalization, but would you see this where here are some of the symptoms associated with progesterone decline. So we know progesterone's, for the most part, declining earlier um, versus something like maybe vaginal dryness, which tends to be more of an estrogen depletion, right? Right. So that may be a later sign. Is that fair assessment? I think so. I think so. It's it's interesting because we know that if women live long enough, all women will go through perimenopause. Right. But no woman will go through the same. Mm. And so we see different symptoms present at different times. Yeah. You know, we know that our hormones do work independently for various functions in the body, but they also work synergistically. So we know that estrogen and progesterone can promote or um, sustain vaginal, you know, health yeah. Yeah. overall. So I think that they both interplay. So it's difficult sometimes when a woman comes in with a particular symptom to say, well, that's definitely estrogen or definitely progesterone. We know they work in harmony with one another. Do you have a lot of patients that come in and are just like, I'm so stressed. It's messing my body up so badly. And you're like, well, maybe not. You know, so and maybe part of the stress is the fact that your body is changing. changing. Absolutely. Especially with sleep. You know, most Mm. women Mm -hmm. have slept pretty well um i mean obviously there's outliers but most women have slept pretty well into this point and then you will see a awakening around two or three a.m mm-hmm. and it is it's like you're wide awake you can't go back to sleep so then the anxiety increases mm. so not only do you have anxiety associated with loss of progesterone but then the symptoms can exacerbate that anxiety absolutely right. and fatigue right fatigue irritability <clears throat> that's a very common one I think. absolutely that was yes definitely yeah. and and if you start to think okay go back to the root which to her point is sleep deprivation mm-hmm. well guess what mm-hmm. you're going to feel tired right mm-hmm. and i think the other thing too just to make it you know for for women to really kind of highlight some of this sleep disturbance oftentimes is not i'm struggling to fall asleep that can be but it's typically i'm waking you I'm know, mid cycle two in the morning, three right. in the morning. Mm-hmm. That's the more common complaint that could indicate, like, okay, maybe on the earlier side of perimenopause, there may be a little something, you know, telling you. Um, the other thing I'll tell you is, and I, I'd love your opinion on this. So, if you think about progesterone deficiency mm-hmm. at the front end, because you will hear a lot of women talk about estrogen dominance. <clears throat> Do you think there's a place there where? 
perhaps it's not so much my body is just overloading my myself with estrogen, mm-hmm. but but rather it's maybe a ratio imbalance, absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try to explain. Mm-hmm. But I, I just kind of get your opinion on that if you think that that's you know right because as you're losing progesterone, my understanding is that. The inhibin that you are losing, which is another hormone mm-hmm. released from the ovaries, it regulates FSH in the brain. And not to get too scientific or technical. Oh, it's good. They need it. <laughs> That's why you're here. But it, it promotes or it causes a roller coaster effect in the estradiol. Yes. So estradiol is not always low or high, mm-hmm. but it's varying. And so you're not... Your body is not used to that variance. And so as you're losing progesterone, you're losing that ratio. Right. So you're lengthening it or, you know, shortening it. And so your body is responding to trying to regulate. It's trying to find balance. It's trying to stabilize those hormones. And you're losing the ability to do so. Okay. I think a lot of what I've learned as a patient is I didn't realize there was conversions happening. Like it didn't occur to me. I just thought they're all in there G-hauling together, you know, like, yay, I'm so glad you're friends. But (laughs) I didn't realize that, you know, as your body is making certain things like testosterone, it has a conversion factor the where your body says, okay, thank you for this. Now I'm going to use it for this. Mm. And it didn't occur to me that that if that's not happening like it's supposed to, then it doesn't matter how much I'm making if I'm not using it. Right. Right. So that that to me was an eye opening experience when I, you know, realized that that was, you know, that was as important as what I was making. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Th- and I and I guess I, I just didn't consider it. Maybe yeah. I don't know, you know, as to, OK, that makes more sense so as a part of all of this is that something else that goes wrong is i mean it may be your body may be making it a, a, a correct amount but it's not using the correct amount well i think that's when you get into the difference between total testosterone and free testosterone mm-hmm. you know we have a total testosterone and that is representative of the total amount mm-hmm. but then that can be bound to certain proteins in the blood mm-hmm. um, sex hormone binding globulin mm-hmm. and albumin and those vary depending on medications, other comorbidities, mm-hmm. and then those translate into what is available for you you to use, mm-hmm. which is your free testosterone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great example. Yeah, that that was one of the tricky things that I you know I learned from you guys was you know, oh okay well yeah. great because I'd be like here's my one number yay me and yeah. it's like who cares because it's not doing what it's supposed right. to you know so what, um, so vasomotor symptoms I don't mm-hmm. know if we've really kind of you know that's one that I think a lot of women um associate right with, with that mm-hmm. maybe end stage perimenopause but um maybe explain that to to women just what what that looks like is when we talk about vasomotor symptoms hot flashes night sweats mm-hmm. um and and usually what you kind of see you know that presentation so hot sweat i'm sorry hot sweats <laughs> night sweats and hot flashes or hot flushes um those are sometimes the first symptom we will see and we know that 80% of all women will have hot flashes. Mm. And so it's very characteristic of this time of life. Yeah. And it can be the most disturbing. Um, I mean, women can have a variance in severity for sure in how those present mm. from mild to severe with sweating. There's even been reports um, where they've looked at loss of work days related to hot flashes. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I didn't realize that either. And so it can be very disturbing. It can interrupt sleep. Mm -hmm. You know, you already kind of are struggling in that department. And so then hot flashes can complicate it. But oftentimes that will be one of the primary Mm -hmm. complaints. Yeah. 
And then, um, so that would be one symptom, primary complaint. Even if you look at a lot of the medications that mm-hmm. are out there in this season, most of them, or a, an abundant amount of them, are FDA approved for mm-hmm. that relief, right? Right. Um, because of the 80% of women who struggle with it. Let's talk about their cycle. They're really just the the, the period itself. So um, irregular can, mm-hmm. can, you know, so it's, it's happening more frequent, less frequent. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a little heavier, lighter. Uh, you know, what should women be aware of as it relates to their periods? So I think that, you know, during perimenopause, periods could get shorter or lighter. They could also become more frequent or heavier. Mm-hmm. You might bleed irregularly for two hours or two days or, you know, two weeks. But I think that, you know, it should be a red flag to you if you're bleeding heavier or prolonged and that definitely needs to have medical attention um so that's something to keep in mind yeah but irregular patterns are varying from person to person so we don't always know you know how a person is going to present during right. this time right and if you stay on that topic mm-hmm. heavier um you know more frequent is there what, what would you say would be some things i think of fibroids is i'll just throw mm-hmm. something out gynecologically mm-hmm. um that do you see any association with as these as women are aging mm-hmm. some things that become a little bit more common i'm just i'll use it like fibroid. they develop them is that what or you're saying become more symptomatic potentially mm-hmm. or larger okay. mm-hmm. you know and again I, i'm more posing the question than making the suggestion but are there things that women may see that could also be a culprit of this is not necessarily just perimenopause this is these other underlying gynecological issues that we should be aware of and maybe pursue mm-hmm. you know ultrasounds rather than and just assuming like they're Assu- going into right. menopause right. and that's why i mentioned prolonged or heavier bleeding mm-hmm. um any irregular bleeding it's never wrong to have that evaluated you know by pelvic ultrasound just to look at uterus endometrial lining ovaries to see structurally if there is a fibroid or a polyp that could be presenting um so oftentimes those are found during this time because mm. pelvic ultrasounds are not routinely done as screening tools and so um, usually they're diagnostic for a particular reason so we'll see that yeah and sometimes there's a hormonal issue with thyroid thyroid often appears irregular during this time if it's going to become irregular and so we'll uncover that by checking labs Mm -hmm. um, and such and thyroid is a a big one when it Mm -hmm. comes to irregular periods I think a lot of women absolutely yeah understand or appreciate for someone who may be listening that has heard of fibroid what is that exactly well it's an overgrowth of tissue in the in the uterine cavity and so it can be in the muscle or in the cavity mm-hmm. and they mostly are benign but one out of 350 are malignant mm-hmm. and so we cannot we cannot always be sure we need to follow those by pelvic ultrasound if they're discovered and recheck those to ensure there's no growth Okay. I, I just, it's, there are, you know, sometimes you hear, you know, somebody said, oh, I had this fibroid mm-hmm. or that fibroid. And you just go with it. Sure. Okay. But yeah. you don't really know what, what it they, is. Yes. Yeah. What it is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I just want to make yeah. sure we had that clear. Um, so let's, let's talk about some treatment options. Okay. And, um, and when I think of treatment options, I, I think it would be helpful for us to maybe delineate. So let's talk more traditional options, which are, you know, um, in many ways very reasonable. Um, and then we'll kind of go into the hormones. So mm-hmm. traditionally, some things that I see, you know, 
patients will have, you know, they've been placed on birth control, they've had some IUDs or, you know, mm-hmm. so, so what are some things that a traditional approach may be to kind of offset some of this, these symptoms? I guess when I think about treatment, I think, you know, first we have to make sure that lifestyle is definitely addressed. I think it makes this time a lot more, um, just easier mm-hmm. to adapt to and to adjust mm-hmm. to. So I think clean diet, exercise, no smoking, all those things are important to address or mention. Yeah. And then I think traditionally during this time, some women still need birth control because the ovaries could ovulate some months and some months they may not. So a low dose birth control pill is an option during this time there are they can get pregnant they can yes (laughs) you're like you're not out of the ball game yet that's right and you're never sure which month that may be so um you know i I don't think we can we can put that aside during this time some women don't realize that that still is a possibility Mm -hmm. but if if my sister's listening out there she can say hallelujah (laughs) you are pointing your sister out you're like straight calling his sister out that's Uh, hilarious she's old and she's got the kids you know little kid after many years of separation uh, but that's one of the things though is you think okay if i'm gonna if i'm gonna go through all Mm -hmm. this and i'm gonna sweat and Mm -hmm. i'm gonna be hateful and i'm gonna be you know like all these things are happening i ain't having any more babies (laughs) you know so you think that's the winning thing out of it (laughs) right and eventually you'll get there. But yeah. in this time <laughs> period, right. In this time period, we still need birth control in place. So where whether that be um, you know, condoms, withdrawal, vasectomy, mm-hmm. a low dose birth control pill, we still have to consider that. Low dose yeah. birth control pills are good options, but they do suppress um the LH and FSH. Yeah. And so we don't really know where we are in menopause, in perimenopause, when a birth control pill is kind of taken over the job right so that may be one of the things that you know a woman wants to consider when well when do i stop the birth control mm-hmm. pill you know it's interesting and so you know and let me ask you this uh, from a from the women's health standpoint because i'll i'll see this oftentimes in my practice too that that group of women will often skip their placebo pill right mm-hmm. and they'll just mm-hmm. kind of stay on and so the other thing that i see that makes it hard is you say, well, when was your last cycle? And they're like, I don't know. Right. I, I never stopped taking the active birth control. Mm-hmm. So not only are they suppressed when they're labs, but mm-hmm. now you don't even have, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which makes Wait it a challenging. Minute. Like they're skipping it and moving back into the active So birth they control? just never have a period. Oh. But we don't know, is it because they're in menopause or is it because they are in birth control that is never taking the placebo Interesting. I'm so, thinking why you would do that. Like, why would you do that? Well, sometimes women do that to prevent heavy periods or mm-hmm. severe PMS oh, or, okay. you know, they, you know, they miss work or they can't function. They have heavy bleeding even on the pill, you know, so yeah. sometimes it's used to keep the endometrial lining thin okay. and to prevent any like severe cycles. Right. Um, so like a low dose birth control pill, that would be one option. The IUD is definitely a great option as well. Um, it does provide birth control, you know, low dose, lower dose progesterone or progestin, I mm-hmm, should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so those would be some more traditional methods. And there that are you could options, use. right? Options for IUD without hormones. Right, right. You okay. have um, a hormone free yeah. and then a progestin. Right. So if someone, someone is worried about the, mm-hmm. the synthetic progestin, right. then I guess there is an option. There, there is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's a good point, even going back to the birth control, because a lot of women, 
will, you know, when you do kind of inter- interview them and they're like, well, I'm not real sure. They just told me to do this mm-hmm. just so they can even know, okay, well, why am I taking that all the right. time? Like, mm-hmm. that's really helpful for, I think, for some women to know mm-hmm. exactly what they're doing. Another thing that you'll see even with IUDs is, you know, hey, we, you know, the IUD was placed at age 45. I mean, I was in perimenopause. Now I'm 50. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on. I've got all these symptoms, but I'm not having a period, you know. Right. Does an IUD right. last how long? Well, different options last, diff- last different lengths. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the more common ones, Morena, lasts now eight years. Eight years. Mm-hmm. They just received, uh, or in the last year or so, another extension up to eight years. Okay. So it does kind of bridge the gap in mm-hmm. between you know, normal versus perimenopause versus menopause. But sometimes women just don't know where they are. Sure. I could see that happening mm-hmm. very easily, mm-hmm. actually. Because it's not something you're taking like the pill. It's just there. Right. Taking care of business. Right. For mm-hmm. eight years. Mm-hmm. And w- I, yeah. <laughs> would you say that there are you know, pros and cons to IUD with hormones, without hormones? When I say hormones, progestin, right? So, you know, what do you see in your in, in that world? And You know, the hormone-free is not as common in my world. Um, and mainly because we do see more irregular bleeding with mm-hmm. that. We see more bleeding control with the progestin yeah. IUD versus the hormone-free. Um so, you know, there's that aspect, but then you have women that may not want hormones, and so that is a good option yeah. for birth control, um, you know, and that's sure. called the Paragard IUD. So, and it's good for 10 years. So, so the without hormones mm-hmm. is good for 10 years. It is. Mm-hmm. That's interesting to me. Like, I, I, I just didn't realize it could stay there that long. Yeah. Because that's a foreign object in your body. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, well, and that's see, something I, ha- keep, I learned right. something every time. And that's something you have to keep an eye on as well mm-hmm. by, you know, going to your annual exams and having mm-hmm. that checked. Yeah. Sure. And it would, uh, this maybe bridge a little bit, but would you say uh, non-hormone IUD, if they wanted to avoid a synthetic and they wanted to consider bioidentical, mm-hmm. could they take a prometrium or... They could, yeah, micronized progesterone mm-hmm. or a bioidentical progesterone is a great option just to, okay. bri- to also bridge that gap. Because yeah. as we mentioned, the loss of progesterone that happens first, mm-hmm. sometimes taking a lower dose bioidentical progesterone um, capsule will help with sleep, mood, irritability. It does mean. Kind of calms everything <laughs> down a little bit. You know, it is not birth control. It does not suppress that axis mm-hmm. like a pill would. So mm-hmm. birth control is still a consideration, but it does help with symptoms. Yeah. And it is bi- body identical or bioidentical. So it's a great option for women that want to go that route. Yeah, good. Um, what about ablations? You know, hysterectomies, uh, I mean, again, in your world, you've what seen some of that. What about tying your tubes, too? That's, I mean, that's definitely birth control. Yeah. You know, tubal uh-huh. ligation is an option. It is a surgery. So, you know, it has, you just have to kind of weigh out the risk and benefit as uh-huh. to what you want and the timing. Mm-hmm. Um, ablations are great options for bleeding. Mm-hmm. Um, as And then, you know, usually those are done prior to partial hysterectomy or full mm-hmm. hysterectomy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, but it, none of this those stops are not, menopause. And those, like, right. We're all like, what's the ticket that stops it? Yeah. Nothing. Right. right. <laughs> and, Nothing. you know, even if there's surgery involved, you are, you know, if you had a full hysterectomy, that's automatic menopause. That's not slow, progressive menopause. That's mm-hmm. automatic mm-hmm. surgical menopause. Like so, a, a, There's a switch in there that just got flipped. Mm-hmm, oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. 
Yeah. Oh my goodness. Right. And there's partial versus complete, mm-hmm, which would be right. more the, you know, removing the ovaries, um, which would kind of throw that female into menopause. But mm-hmm. so, so now let's kind of pivot to specific hormone therapy. Um, so you just kind of, uh, you know, talked about progesterone in my experience, uh, probably the two that I see most commonly used needed would be progesterone mm-hmm. for sure with consideration of testosterone right um, it's mm-hmm. it's typically not until they get a little closer to the menopausal stage where estradiol becomes important right um, but I'd love to kind of hear your you know your approach your feedback your thoughts on that well I think that you know we haven't talked about this yet but I think obtaining some labs on mm-hmm. a woman that might be going through that that symptomatology or you know feeling like things are not normal yeah to look at testosterone progesterone and then of course thyroid um i definitely think that they're both supportive like i said earlier they both have independent roles your testosterone is going to improve your libido sex drive your energy lean muscle mass development but progesterone is also going to complement that to help with sleep fatigue irritability so definitely i think it lessens the blow that -hmm. you're walking through at that Mm -hmm. point Mm -hmm. you know um and then you know, looking at some other things like thyroid um, is important too. What about so? Let's let's talk about labs for a second. What would you say? Because some of this is a little bit of a moving target, right? Mm-hmm. Because they are still potentially having some form of a cycle, mm-hmm. albeit irregular. Potentially, hormones one day is not are not going to be reflective of hormones the next. So, do you find that you are listening to symptoms? Mm-hmm using labs as kind of a support or do you would you say no i'm looking at labs independent you know or or dependently and saying that's 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 the where i draw my line the sand is what the labs show well i think it's both you Uh know i think the first one would be more for like progesterone where they are in the stage of menopause walk you know looking at their symptoms and then using labs to support that versus um, using that to dictate treatment, but to more confirm or support. Yeah. And then secondly, also there are lines. I feel like there are lines in the sand, you mm-hmm. know, as well with um, certain hormones, and so we have to use those with wisdom and respect. Yeah. You know the power of hormones and what that can do in the body. And I think testosterone to me would be, you know, you can utilize labs a little bit more effectively right. yeah. in this in this female. As opposed to progesterone, oftentimes, where right. you may treat that female with progesterone symptomatically just because you're not sure what's going on. But, man, the symptoms really speak to what we know is occurring versus testosterone. We may say, well, let's let's kind of watch that or, right. you know, let's right. let's dip our toe in something really, really slowly. So um, what about estradiol? Where do you find that to be beneficial in this female, if at all? Well, as we get closer to true menopause, and we don't really know when that's going to occur. We know the average age is 51, 52 Mm -hmm. for some women. It's very genetically um, determined a lot of times, lifestyle related. Um, And so, you know, when you go through menopause, we're not sure when your perimenopause is going to stop and when menopause is going to start, you know. And so using you know cycles to see when was their last menstrual cycle last bleeding 
And then also looking at that estradiol level in relation to the FSH is helpful. Okay. And we have parameters that we use to determine, you know, at what point would we call this menopause? One of those being 12 months with no bleeding. Mm -hmm. And then the other looking at the FSH. Right. And so to your point, as we're looking at that FSH, if we start to see serial you know, labs Increases, showing that right. while this FSH is trending up and up and up, even if it may not hit that level, they could still start to see some of those symptoms potentially worsen as a result of the estradiol deficiency. Right. right? They could. And then at that point, you know, that may be an option to yeah. try like a low dose estradiol. Yeah. Perfect. Um, well, I think we'd be remiss knowing that one of our focuses is on holistic, you know, therapy. Um, not that we practice it as much as we refer it out with great mm -hmm. partners like mm -hmm. nutrition world but for some of those women we we get this a lot um where you know they were the first line where they're like okay i'm, I'm just i just want to know what's going on and maybe medication seems like oh my gosh i'm not ready right, right. And, and i think that's okay for women have to, you have to be mm -hmm. where you know mm -hmm. you, you're the owner of your own health mm -hmm. are there some natural supplements that you know would be a good option, good resources, like at a place that like for Nutrition World for some of these issues that, that we've talked about? I definitely think there are. I think that you have to look at, um, you know, in my opinion and my experience, the hormone is responsible for all those symptoms. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a long list of symptoms, brain fog, vaginal dryness, decreased energy, irritability, sleep. Your hormones are going to provide relief mm -hmm. for all of those symptoms, but right. there are supplements that will address each one or more. And so it's not ever wrong to try something like that first. Right. It may or may not give you the relief that you're looking for, mm -hmm. but it might it might lessen your symptoms and cause this time period of your life to be a little bit more, you know, adjustable. Yeah. For yeah. your lifestyle. And I do think it's important to, to utilize places that are really good at what they do. Right. Like, like a right. nutrition world. I yes. mean, if you're, you know, if you're just going into the average nutrition shop and saying, well, that, that supplement says something about hot flashes, yeah. probably not the, yeah. the, the, the way to go. Yeah. That's you not need, your person. Yeah. You need yeah. to go to a reputable place um, who can, who can kind of help you. But to your point, not only, you know, the hormones are the ones that are responsible, but mm -hmm. when you kind of, when you can get into even preventative measures right supplements are are going to be limited mm -hmm. because if it's hormone decline i'll just use osteoporosis as an example mm -hmm. well there's not a supplement that replaces what estradiol does right right mm -hmm. so there you've got symptom relief and you've got preventative health mm -hmm. that people just have to be educated on um but yeah i do think that there's a place for women who are a, a little hesitant um on the front end to at least you know, speak with someone that they trust that's knowledgeable. And, and we do try to, I don't, I don't focus a lot on supplements myself, um, which is one of the reasons we partner with people that we know and trust. Right, right. Um, because I think it's important for women and men to have the ability to, to take ownership of their health. Mm -hmm. I think you've mentioned a couple of different times lifestyle. So the foods you eat, the exercise you do, you know, you do during the week or the months or, you know, whatever. What type of effect could that have on someone who maybe has gone through their whole life? You know, I have a friend who weighs 10 cents, like her whole mm -hmm. life. She's six foot tall and she weighs 10 <laughs> cents. So, you know, so she's that may be somebody and she can eat whatever she wants. Right. You know, mm -hmm. but if it, 
her symptoms may be worse than mine in terms of going, you know, in perimenopause. Mm-hmm. So if you make those changes, could that potentially help subside some of those symptoms as well? If you haven't been active in that way, you know, you've not been working out or mm-hmm. eating, you know, the best you possibly could. Right. So you have mentioned that a couple of times. So I'm just curious as if that would potentially help. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, we lose muscle mass mm-hmm. with every every decade yeah. of aging um, our bones we lose you know as we lose hormones and so the weight training definitely supports bone health mm-hmm. and muscle mass development um, of course smoking is definitely a risk factor for cancer sure. of different uh, varying cancers and mm-hmm. so you know not smoking and then diet wise I mean we see in this time period weight gain is one of the most common complaints of yes. women and a mm-hmm. lot of times that's what brings women in i've you know i've not changed anything and i've gained 20 pounds mm-hmm. and so yeah. insulin resistance becomes a huge problem mm-hmm. to address and so making those lifestyle changes earlier versus later yeah definitely helps i feel like in the transition to kind of keep your life what you want it to be and and to keep you feeling like yourself yeah yeah because you gotta love when you go and you visit you know a doctor or what and they're like well it's your age and you're like (laughs) that's not a smart thing to tell someone who's acting like i am right now (laughs) yeah it's i mean it's a great point you know people need to be heard right they want to feel like you know someone's listening to them so um, and, and hopefully, you know, platforms like this, that's one of the reasons we do this is to, to give people a resource to where it's like, man, finally, I feel like I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like there's places out there where I can listen or watch or, you know, talk to someone. So, um, Laura, thank you yeah. so thank much. You. This was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. This was good. This was good. Well, yeah. I hope it helps. I mean, you know, I am a woman going through what every other woman is going through Mm -hmm. and so you know these things that i say are things that i have to tell myself yeah Yeah. and i think it's good to know that you're not alone when Mm -hmm. you're walking through life you know life changes Mm -hmm. well and you know and you always have those friends that you call and you're like girl this is what's going on (laughs) with me right now that you're safe it's your safe space and you can go like i'm you know something's going on and you know and then for women who don't have the you know don't have those people in their lives then it's it's a safe place to know that yeah you're not by yourself and you're not crazy and right and there's help yeah and there's things you can do to Mm -hmm. make this a little bit better a little easier so that's i mean that gives me peace so, <laughs> so true so he's over here so true as 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 he goes through his menopausal listen life's hard as a man you. too you know yeah Man- menopause is a real thing Your menopause. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah we're all my homies out there you know? They they know what they know how it feels i feel for yeah, you too yeah. when you have you know wives and daughters and things like that so yes, i do please, i do feel you. for you yeah actually that that in and of itself is a reason to uh, have empathy for me. And your office is yeah. is, is full of females. Dominated as well. that's by right. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, well, so we're gaining some steam with yeah. our podcast, and uh, yeah. you know, we saw some statistics the other day. It's, it's definitely you know the word is spreading. So uh, if you haven't followed us, we would definitely appreciate uh, following, liking our pages which we've got on instagram i think facebook some other mm-hmm. social media outlets but you can find us on spotify 
uh, Apple Podcasts. There's several different other platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, we try to do a pretty good job of posting our links on each episode on our social media. So if you haven't followed us or if you haven't shared, please do so. Uh, just to continue to help us uh, spread the word. So I think that wraps it up for this episode. Yeah, thanks again, Laura. Thank we you. really appreciate it. It's fun to have family time. It yes, is. it is. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much. See you next time. You've been listening to another episode of Optimized Health with Josh Porter and Mandy Livingston. For more information and past shows, go to our website, optimizehealthnow.com. Thank you for listening. Optimize You Chattanooga is a hormone optimization and recovery center that specializes in hormone replacement therapy for both males and females. If you are suffering from mood swings, fatigue, low libido, or weight gain, then your hormone levels might be low. We offer in-house lab panels as well as testosterone, progesterone, estradiol, and peptide therapies. We are currently accepting new patients. Know your levels because normal is not optimal. For more information, check us out at optimizeyouchattanooga.com.